Good morning. We are glad you're here today and very thankful that you're here. If you are visiting, we're always grateful for visitors and we appreciate so much you coming our way today. I do want to mention Carolyn Lee has a visitor with her today who was baptized this past week, Debbie Kuplicki, and uh, we're very grateful for her obedience to the gospel. Oh. So anyway, I want to welcome her today very much. I had this note handed to me, so I hope I got that right. Uh, we're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 1 in our study today, 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter, as was read a moment ago, said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. I want to ask this morning, have you made your reservation in heaven? We sang just a moment ago about heaven. We read often in Scripture about the subject of heaven. We understand that it has been the aim of God's people down through the centuries. It was said of the patriarchs many, many years ago that they look for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. To those of us who belong to the family of God, Heaven, that is ultimately where we hope to be. And so today we want to look at 1 Peter chapter 1 and again ask the question, have you made your reservation in heaven? And the beauty of it is God wants us to be in heaven. God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Jesus said before departing from this earth, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. I want to begin by talking about our inheritance in heaven is guaranteed. That's important to understand that there are some guarantees about our home in heaven. Our guarantee is basically based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Let's think for a minute about the power of the resurrection. Again, Peter said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. When we talk about the power of the resurrection, first and foremost, you need to understand it is a fact. We're not talking about a myth, a fable. It's not hope so, maybe so, think so, but rather it is a fact. The Bible presents it as a fact. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 1, 
Luke, in recording for us the events that took place after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, said in verse 3 that Jesus presented Himself alive for the space of 40 days by many infallible proofs. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 said that Jesus was seen by Cephas and then by the twelve. He identifies by name James. And then Paul also indicates that he too was an eyewitness of the resurrected Christ, pointing out that some 500 brethren had seen the Lord as well. So we're talking about a fact. But not only is it a fact, it is foundational. Everything that, everything that rests upon the Christian religion is tied to the resurrection, isn't it? I mean, if the resurrection of Jesus Christ did not occur, then as Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, our preaching is vain. Our faith is vain. He said, we're still in sin. When Paul wrote to the church in Rome, he said, Jesus Christ was declared to be the Son of God with power by the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. So Christianity as a whole, it either stands or falls on the basis of the resurrection. That's why I said first and foremost, it's a fact. But not just a fact, it is foundational to everything we believe. The guarantee of our hope in heaven is tied to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Take that away, and we have nothing to hope for, do we? Now, there's a second thing I want you to see. It has to do with the promise of the resurrection. Peter said that God has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You need to understand that first and foremost, Jesus Christ is the key. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul said that Jesus is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. He would say, as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. Because Jesus died and rose again, we have hope. That's really what Paul's saying, isn't it? There is the pledge of a greater harvest. One day the Lord Jesus Christ will come again. And Jesus said in John chapter 5 that every ear shall hear His voice. Think about that for a minute. Those that have done good to the resurrection of life, those that have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. So Jesus is the key when it comes to the resurrection. But not only is He the key, but in Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, the Bible says He holds the keys. It's very important. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, the Lord Jesus said, I'm He who lives. But He said, I was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. And then He said, I have the keys of Hades and death. All Jesus is saying is that He has the keys to the cemeteries. One day, a time known to God, the Lord Jesus will come. As we noted last week in our study, the Lord Jesus will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God. When the Lord Jesus Christ descends from heaven, 
One day, when He descends from heaven, the righteous will be caught up in the air to meet Him. The graves will be opened. And Paul said in verse 17, Wherefore we shall evermore be with the Lord. So the Lord holds the keys. So our inheritance in heaven is guaranteed. Again, it's not hope so, maybe so, think so. It's a fact. But then there's a second thing I want you to see. And that is our inheritance in heaven is glorious. Our inheritance in heaven is glorious. First, I think about the blessings of heaven. Now, there are a lot of things to to comprehend with regard to our hope in heaven. But when I think about the blessings of heaven, a couple of things come to mind. Number one, heaven cannot be defiled. Now, look around in the world today. And we talk about the problems that exist in the world. And what the Bible tells us is that our inheritance is incorruptible and undefiled. It can't be soiled. It can't be tarnished. It won't rust out, wear out. No, the place that we're calling home one day will be perpetually new. The blessings of heaven. And you think about Think about how time has a way of decaying and soiling things in the world in which we live. The home that you live in today. If you've lived there for any period of time, you understand that from time to time it calls for renovations and makeovers. There's erosion, decay. Well, when we talk about heaven, that's not the case. Heaven will... Heaven will never be defiled, it will never be destroyed. That's what Peter said. Note what he says again. Our inheritance is incorruptible, it's undefiled, and it does not fade away. In other words, it will be forever. You could stamp the word forever in your Bible because the home that we're talking about is permanent. Now, time on planet Earth is marked By days and months and years, we live by the calendar. We live according to time. And we understand that just as beginnings have endings, when we talk about heaven, there'll be no end. Nevermore shall we say goodbye. Now I think about the blessings of heaven, but then the beauty of heaven. It's hard to conceptualize the beauty of heaven. I want to just call attention to Revelation chapter 21 for a moment. Peter, of course, is talking about our our inheritance. It's incorruptible. It's undefiled. He said it doesn't fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you. And I'm convinced that heaven will be a beautiful place. You look around the world in which we live. There are some absolutely gorgeous places in this world, aren't there? I mean, we talk about the change of seasons. Spring, is it as everything begins to bud and blossom and bloom. And then summer, and how everything is green and beautiful and lush. But fall, and the change that occurs. Autumn presents us with an array of beautiful colors. And you look at the handiwork of God and you think about 
how beautiful the world in which we live is. But I don't believe that it can begin to compare with the beauty of heaven. John said in Revelation chapter 21 at verse 10, that he was shown the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. He said, having the glory of God, her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. In verse 19, he talks about the foundations of the wall of the city. And then down in verse 21, he said, the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. He said, I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are His temple. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe heaven will be a beautiful place. But to me, what will make heaven really beautiful? Number one, because of the presence of God. Can you imagine being in the presence of God? Standing in the presence of Jesus you know, John said, we shall see Him as He is. Time after time after time, we have read about the life of Jesus. We have followed His ministry. We have gone to Gethsemane with Him. We've made that trek to Golgotha, to Calvary. We have watched Jesus die time and again. We have reflected upon His messages over and over and over again. We've looked at the miracles that have been recorded and we stand in all those signs, don't we? And we think about what it'll be like to be with Him. One day we'll be in the presence of Jesus and to be in the presence of God. You know, God told Moses, Moses wanted a glimpse of God on one occasion. And God said, no man can see me and live. And he showed Moses his backside, the essence, so to speak, of his glory. And you think about being in the presence of God, but not just being in the presence of God, but also being in the presence of the people of God. When you think about heaven and the glories and the beauty of heaven, Again, to me, what will make heaven really special? Number one, because of the presence of God. But number two, because of the presence of the people of God. Think about, think about the house you live in. There is a difference between a house and a home, isn't there? You know, a house is just a dwelling place. What makes your house a home? Is it the furnishings? I mean, is it your furniture? Is it because all of your earthly possessions reside in that house? Or is there something more to your house that really makes it complete and makes it a home? I think there is. You know what it is? It's your family. It's your family. Take your family out of your home and you've got a house. But to be with the people that we have loved for many, many years, that we've known, that we've eaten with, that we've laughed with, that we've cried with, that we've worshipped with, 
I mean, what is it that really makes heaven special? I believe what really makes it special to be in the presence of God and to be in the presence of the people of God. There have been a lot of folks that have gone before us and they're enjoying paradise, a prelude, so to speak, of heaven. And they're waiting on us. And one day, we hope to join them, don't we? Look, if we miss heaven, if we miss being in, in the presence of God and in the presence of the people of God, then we miss everything. But what really makes it special to know that one day there'll be a reunion. You know, when we, when we say goodbye to people that we've, that we've known and loved, that's a tough thing, isn't it? I think as I get older in life, saying goodbye gets tougher. It's much harder. And yet I know that there will be a reunion coming one day. And what Peter is telling us is, look, we have an inheritance in heaven and it is guaranteed. You can take it to the bank. We have an inheritance in heaven that is glorious. And nobody can take that from us. Thirdly, we have an inheritance in heaven that is guarded. Look, if you would, at verse 5. Peter said, we have this inheritance. It's incorruptible. It's undefiled. It doesn't fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you. In verse 5, he said, who are kept or guarded by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Our inheritance in heaven, according to Peter, is guarded. Let's talk a minute about the power of faith. What Peter really is talking about here is the fact that when we, when we live within the confines of the citadel of our faith, a citadel being a stronghold, a place of protection. When we stay within the realm of faith, and we're walking by faith and not by sight, as we stay within the spectrum of faith, we are guarded. Not only are we guarded or insulated, but we are guided in our faith. How so? By God's Word. I mean, you think about God's Word is our modern-day GPS, isn't it? You get in your car, you want to go to a specific location, you plug in the address, boom, it takes you there. God's Word is our GPS. It will safely navigate us through this world. And there are a lot of twists and turns, ups and downs, Peaks and valleys, highs and lows, and yet God's Word is going to get us home safely, isn't it? Didn't David say in the Psalms many years ago, Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway? God's Word has been given to us to get us home. That's the goal. God wants His people home with Him one day. Some of you that have... That have young people in college. If you've ever had 
children that have gone away to college or they're in college now. You're concerned when they leave home as they make that drive to another town to college. You're concerned as they make their way home. You want them back home safe and sound. Okay, how can we as God's people get home safe and sound? By following this book that we call the Bible. That's going to get us home. Now you think about the power of faith, but the provisions of faith. When we take God's Word and we live according to this Word, now Peter said that we are kept or guarded by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. I think about the vision of faith. What enables me to look beyond the physical, the temporal, the transitory, God's Word? Look, I can't visibly see heaven. I can't tangibly put my hands on heaven. But through the eye of faith, I can see it, can't you? I know it is just as real as the world in which I'm living today. Do you believe that? Didn't Paul talk about, he said, while we look not at the things which are seen, but but at the things which are not seen. He said the things which are seen are temporary. The things which are The things which are not seen are eternal. And then Paul would go on to say, we know that if this earthly house, this tent, this physical body of flesh, if it is dissolved or destroyed, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. That's a promise, isn't it? Now we talk about the vision of faith. We are looking through the eyes of faith like those ancient patriarchs of the past. We're looking for that that city whose builder and maker is God, that heavenly home. And we understand that there is the vision of faith, but ultimately there is the victory of faith. When it is all said and done, what do we hope to achieve? Victory, don't we? Listen again to what Listen again to what Peter said, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to to be revealed in the last time. He's talking about the last day. Look at verse 9. Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Okay, so what then is the culmination of a life spent in service to God? What is the culmination of living day in and day out by faith? Heaven. It's what it's all about. It's why we're here today, isn't it? We come together to worship God. We praise Him. But we're reminded there are better days ahead, aren't there? Look, the goal of every Christian is heaven. I mean, that's, that's, what, that's what it's all about, living the Christian life. About going home to be with God one day. That's why Peter said, look, receiving the end of your faith, the culmination of a life spent in service to God, it's heaven. And Peter said, look, it's reserved for you. Now, God has done His part with regard to providing for us a place. Our part comes in the form of making a reservation. If you're traveling over the next few days, 
And maybe you're going to be going to a specific city. It might be that you're going to several different cities. Some folks, wise individuals, they plan their trip accordingly. And they make reservations at specific hotels. So that when they arrive, they walk in, they give their confirmation number, boom. Got a key and you're ready to go to your room. So how do you make a reservation for heaven today? You've got to obey His will, don't you? Didn't John say, blessed are they that do His commandments that they may have the right, that they may have the right to the tree of life and enter through the gates into the city? So what would you need to do? Well, you need to obey the gospel. To understand that a life of faith is the result of hearing the Word of God. That's what Paul said, Romans 10, 17. And Paul would say that we walk by faith and not by sight. And then to take that faith and put it into action, to repent of our sins, to turn from a life of sin, and then to confess with our mouth what we believe in our heart, that Jesus is the Son of God, to be immersed in water so that all of our sins can be washed away. Peter talks about being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. When we obey the gospel of Christ, we are born again. And we are placed in the family of God, the church. And the reason we need to be in the church is because Jesus is said to be the Savior of the church of the body in Ephesians 5 at verse 23. And then to live faithfully. So that one day... The last day, when we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, we we hear Him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. You know, in Hebrews chapter 12, the writer talks about how those of us who belong to the family of God, he said, We are the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. That's the idea. When we obey the gospel, God God places our name, writes our name in the book of life. You remember Jesus said in Luke chapter 10 on one occasion, rejoice. Why? Because your names are written in the book of life. Your name in the book of life. When the Lord Jesus comes, as John depicts in Revelation chapter 20, He said the small and great will stand before Him. The books will be opened. God's Word is going to be opened. He said another book will be opened. It's called the book of life. And the dead will be judged out of of the things which are written in the books. How will you measure up? If you haven't made your reservation, I would appeal to you today to come to Christ. If you're here today and you're not living for the Lord, You're a member of His his body, but for whatever reason, you've gone back into the world. Could we pray with you and for you, knowing that God will abundantly pardon as we stand and sing?